From technology and acquisition to citizen services and mission execution, a culture shift is underway with federal government leaders increasingly seeking out solutions that disrupt the way business has traditionally been done. Here we connect with those government and industry leaders driving this change and delivering the real results in support of their agency mission. This is Keeping IT Brief. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening in today. This is Alexa Choi. I am the president and editor-in-chief of G2 Exchange. Really excited about this today. We are talking with the CEO of the Savan Group and his CTO as well. I'm going to go ahead and hand it on over to them and let them introduce themselves. Yeah, thanks, Alexa. Uh, this is Viral Matchmadar. I'm the president and, and CEO of Savan Group. Um, and I started my company back in 2006. Um, and we're really focused on helping our clients better understand um, how they deal with the challenge of data and information management. And uh, thanks for letting us do this. Looking forward to having this conversation. Hi, um, this is Dan Alvaron. I'm the Chief Technology Officer of Savan Group. Um, I focus primarily on helping our clients with their data information technology management solutions. So the first question we have is the unsexy side of emerging tech. Does it all start with the data? And if so, where do you go from there? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, we do a lot of work in terms of emerging technologies, um, particularly in terms of assessing emerging technologies. And I think the really important thing for people to understand is that emerging technology is great. Um, they're essentially these new types of disruptive technologies that have this untapped potential uh, above and beyond how they're being used today. And it includes things like artificial intelligence or robotic process automation. Um, but while they're considered disruptive, I would say that they're, they're on their way of becoming fairly standard in terms of use in agencies. And the benefit really is to have uh, the ability to develop, deploy, and leverage, and gain insights from the data um, that agencies currently have that might have taken longer in years, in years past. So it has a significant way of changing the way that government operates uh, probably for the next two decades. But to your question, Alexa, here's the really tricky part. Um, in our world of data information management, we often see a rush to use emerging technology as, you know, quote unquote, the savior. And while it can absolutely transform an organization, the value of emerging technology, like the ones that we just mentioned, AI or RPA, is that they're only as effective and good as long as the data that you're using is good. Um, and, and we see a lot of examples where that's not necessarily the case. Here's one I'll give you. Machine learning algorithms will learn and adapt to the data that they are given. But the challenges we see all the time is that the data itself contains inaccuracies or some type of bias. So the output of the machine learning algorithm is actually faulty. Um, and what further complicates data integrity is not actually knowing what data you have, where it is, where it's coming from. And so we see this all the time in, in working with our clients that you'll discover that there are multiple streams of information. So Long story short, before you move into emerging technologies, you really have to assess uh, the unsexy side, really the data sources. It's really not just about having the information, it's the ability to find it, organize it, and ultimately scrub that data before you deploy any of those technologies. So as Farrell's mentioned, there's a lot of emerging technologies that are used in the analysis of data, but I think it's important to step back and take a look at the type of the data that we generally try to analyze. There is both unstructured and unstructured data. Structured data are those numbers, those dates, those strings. This is primarily the type of information that most analysis is formed on. It's easy to do. Most organizations have a strong understanding of their structured data. Unstructured data, on the other hand, 
this is your information life, your videos, your texts, your emails, your images, documents. Organizations typically struggle to find and understand their unstructured data. It is far more difficult to manage secure, and it's very challenging for organizations to assess and derive insights. It was most intriguing is that most of this data we generate today is unstructured and is estimated that organizations' data is 80% unstructured. These present unique challenges for organizations because there's a significant amount of untapped value and potential in unstructured data. And this is where AI or artificial intelligence or natural language processing, also known as NLP, come, into, come in. This is where artificial intelligence and natural language processing come in. In fact, these are the keys to unlocking the value of unstructured data what I commonly refer to as data fracking. AI, ML, RPA, how do you know which one of these is best for your project? Because I feel like people get them mixed up a lot. People are like, oh, it's no longer RPA, it's now AI. And you're like, oh, hold on, it, I think it's still RPA. So how do you kind of pick which one of these is best and how do you know if it's right for your specific projects? Yeah, I think it's a really great question, Alexa. Um, and I will, disclaimer, I'm not a technologist by trade but I've been around enough folks like Dan and others who, and have really come to appreciate these various technologies. But having said that, here's what I can tell you I've learned. On a broad level, AI is a bigger concept, um, essentially to create intelligent machines that can stimulate um, cognitive reasoning, um, do the thinking for you. Whereas machine learning is a subcategory of AI that allows for the application or the machine to gradually learn from that data over time. So it gets better over time. RPA actually is you know, something completely different altogether. So with RPA, robotic process automation, agencies uh, can automate routine business processes like filling out medical forms at the VA or automating data entry. Um, ultimately, RPA allows agencies to save a tremendous amount of time, a tremendous amount of money, and to move away from really people-dependent processes to more automated processes and the, the real benefit is that they're able to, to divert those resources into quote unquote non-mundane activities, um, things that might have a higher impact. So, you know, these are these are very distinct opportunities, but AI, I think, is in a completely different ballpark than, say, um, AI and, and uh, machine learning. But I'll then turn over to the technologist, Dan, to maybe give a little more insight on that. Thank you. Yeah, these technologies and techniques are advancing at incredible rates. We often ask or ask by our clients, what are the best projects and which ones are most suited for AI or NLP or RPA. But I think it's important to step back and take a good look at what your goals and objectives are. And ask yourself oftentimes, do you even have the quality of data that would benefit from these technologies? When you've done that, there are some good use cases though that I think would benefit greatly from machine learning, artificial intelligence. I think you can look at those use cases where you've got a lot of humans that are necessary to interpret or recognize information. And oftentimes these are scalability problems. There's problems where you really just can't throw enough humans at a particular problem to create an understanding. And really when you come down to it, artificial intelligence, when you look at it, artificial intelligence or natural language processing becomes your only option. And these technologies have grown immensely. In the past or days gone by, we focused heavily on techniques known as text mining, which would oftentimes look at keywords or phrases to find meaning. But oftentimes these, these approaches were flawed. Today with these technologies, we can get intent and meaning with a high degree of accuracy. And that has ultimately changed the game. So what about this fancy term that people are calling like cryptocurrency? So is that real money? Is that a thing? Do you guys think it'll happen for the federal government in, in our lifetime? I think one of the important aspects of cryptocurrency, as I understand it, is 
is really from a civil liberties perspective, right? Can they can they provide the privacy protections um, for for their for their users? I think the Treasury took some action late last year to propose some legislation um, that would require you know businesses that have money services um, to collect data uh, about people who um, transact using cryptocurrency. So I think it's a fairly new idea, but I also think there's a lot of hurdles. Any kind of transaction data, like Bitcoin, as an example, uh -huh. um, you're entering a new realm of privacy and data. You know in Bitcoin, I think, for example, that you know the name of the user associated with a particular address. You can probably gather information about their transactions and really get a profile of the folks um, that are using these types of cryptocurrencies. So not only is that a privacy civil liberties challenge in itself, but the other idea is that now you've also expanded exponentially the massive amounts of data that you are collecting. And so this brings us back to the original uh, challenge that we've been talking about, which is how, how in the world are you going to manage this in a, in a manner that is secure, but also what does it do for you? And is it even appropriate? That's exactly why I asked the question is because it is a little bit more of a hot topic and even people it, it's trickling down into like everyday life. Like I have a friend who bought a house with cryptocurrency. I, I didn't even know that was a thing. No so, kidding. you know, I think it's, I think it's something that the government probably is going to start hearing more and more and they're going to have to probably draw a hard line in the future of like, yes, is this a move forward or is this going to be a firm pass for us? I yeah, also, I think that, go ahead, Dan. I think also when you, when you look at that, I think at the heart of cryptocurrency or some technologies, it's really blockchain technology. And you are seeing an increase in use of blockchain technologies in a number of agencies. Um, primarily blockchain technology is going to be used to lessen or eliminate the need for intermediary in transactions so they can lessen the time to complete a transaction. So we do see a lot of agencies start to experiment with the use of those technologies. Yeah, I think you're dealing with a situation, Alexa, to your question, which is, can the federal government adequately back cryptocurrency and put in place the governance and framework that is necessary to control it? I mean, we have seen in the last two or three years, the opposite occur where actually government has gone after folk who have been using cryptocurrency uh, in malicious ways. And so there seems to be this natural conflict that's occurring, which is, you know, at a very high level, we think it's bad, it's being abused, and it can create lots of problems. And oh, by the way, we think it could be really good in terms of a transactional uh, option. But I just don't think we have yet at least put in place the appropriate policies, framework and governance to ensure that it, it can be leveraged in a positive way. I've heard that you guys have some of these projects discussing you know, kind of implementing the things that we've talked about today. I would love it if you just picked one and gave us a high level overview of the success. What did you pick? Which one of these technologies and how did you do it? I think Dan's probably better suited to answer that. But, you know, the first rule of Savant Group is don't talk about Savant Group. Um, no, I'm kidding. I, the, the, I'll let Dan talk about it. We've had some success certainly in this um, with a number of different clients. So, Dan, I'll turn it over to you. Sure, thank you. I think... Um... I think a lot of the topics right today have been focused on you know, AI technologies and robotic process automation. You know, good to look at what these technologies can be used and what they're good at and which they're, what they're not good at. There is a natural marriage between natural language processing and robotic process automation or also you know, um, intelligent automation. RPA does a fantastic job at connecting the pieces, um, but it's really not that great when it comes down to linguistic analysis or, or natural language processing or cognitive computing. 
But this is where AI comes in, really great at creating that additional layer of intelligence. And so by combining robotic process automation and, and NLP, we can get the best of both worlds. So we have um, performed a number of projects using these technologies, in particular, as I talked about before, the scalability of problems where you just don't have enough humans to be able to process this unstructured information. We have one particular client who has a significant number of policies and procedures. As we know, a lot of agencies struggle with trying to understand the impacts of policies and procedures when there are changes in legislation, such as statutes or, or, um, or other government-wide policies, and to be able to assess that impact across your organization. So we've leveraged robotic process automation and natural language processing to cut that process short um, by analyzing all of their related content and prioritizing which ones are most likely to be impacted by changes. Another particular project of note comes into the regulatory space. We have another client who has a significant number of comments that come in as part of the regulatory commenting process. And they need to be able to assess the message or intent that stakeholders have with respect to changes they're making regulations or regulations that they're proposing. And oftentimes, we need to be able to assess this within a matter of weeks. But when you're talking about hundreds of thousands of individual comments coming in from the public, there's just oftentimes, it's really, it is impossible to really scale to just pure humans to be able to analyze that content. And so we rely on natural language processing as well as RPA to assess that information and provide a synopsis of intent for our clients. So really quick, last two minutes, where do you see the Savant Group in five years? Great question. I suspected that might be a question from you. Um, I, will, I will take this first from, the, from sort of the focus of what we're talking about. You know, we are really um, laser-like focused on helping our clients navigate the data and information management universe. And the reason for that is we find it to be um, extremely fragmented. Um, and I think the, the phrase I would use is that there's, there's a challenge with data proliferation that's occurring right now in the federal government. And that is frankly only going to get worse because of the amount sources and volume of data that is coming in to the government. Um, going back to how while we started the conversation today, you know, emerging technologies are great and they can be highly disruptive in good and bad ways. And so from our perspective and the work that we do in support of our clients, we really try to emphasize the importance of not rushing into any specific technology or taking stock of existing um, or making sure you take stock of existing, you know, data governance and strategy and information management practices. But to your point, to your question, where are we going to be in five years? I hope that we are helping solve that problem. I hope that we are in a position where we are working at the highest levels of government with some really smart, innovative um, thought leaders to address um, how the government leverages data information management through these technologies um, to better serve the public. I mean, that's ultimately what the government is there to do. And if we can play a small role um, with, through our company to be a partner in that effort, nothing would make me happier. Ultimately, information data management is just gonna be a critical element today, tomorrow, and for years to come. And you're gonna to continue to see sophisticated technologies come forward. Um, today it's AI and, and RPA. Five years from now, it'll be something else. Um, but fundamentally, we want to help agencies build a, a, a strong data maturity model um, and have a better sense of where their information data lies uh, so that they can better serve folks like us and, 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 the, and the public. 
Sounds good. I want to thank you gentlemen for your time today. I hope you have a great day and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Expecting some great things from the Savant Group. Thank you for listening. For more podcasts by G2 Exchange Media, please visit www.fethealthit.com and look for the podcast section at the top of the page. Music by Jam Studio, courtesy of Shutterstock Incorporated. Shutterstock Incorporated.